Welcome to the TechEd Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. Welcome back to the TechEd Podcast. I am your host, Matt Kirkner. Today's guest leads a company that I have worked with for over 20 years. It is a brand that most if not all of you will recognize, and many of you may even own. It is a company that's gone through some major changes in the last several years. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the private equity model, about their products, research and development, company culture, competition for skilled manufacturing talent, all of this with the president and CEO of Briggs & Stratton, my friend, Steve Andrews. Steve, thanks for being on. Great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you having me. So let's start right here. You know, there's been some really big changes at Briggs and Stratton over the last several years. And as you and I have talked, I think they're all positive changes in the end. Uh, you've transitioned to a private equity model. You were formerly a, a public company. Talk to us a little bit about this transition and how you think it's positioning Briggs and Stratton for future success. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, we're really we're, we're super optimistic about the future opportunities for Briggs and Stratton. And for the first time in nearly 100 years, Briggs is privately held, which uh, I know has many benefits. Uh, so the new Briggs and Stratton, as we like to refer to it, has a terrific new owner and KPS Capital Partners, a group out of New York that I've worked with for 11 years now. We have a highly engaged and uh, management team with many new senior leaders and a new focus. And we benefit from KPS's commitment to manufacturing excellence, continuous improvement, and very significant financial resources. And KPS is, is committed to investing in Briggs & Stratton. The new board has already proven that through a number of significant investments in our plants, a renewed focus on new product development, and through two significant investments, which uh, have accelerated our technology roadmap. We invested in a company by the name of ASI, or Accelerated Systems, a developer of motor controllers and systems for electrified drive lines. And we acquired a company by the name of Simplify Power, a manufacturer of battery storage systems. So really, you know, in the first 18 months here, we've demonstrated to the team and the, the community that under the new ownership and under the private equity structure, that we are really investing to build a strong, sustainable company for the future. Yeah, strong, sustainable company. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch as, as this whole strategy rolls out. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it on today's episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. So excited to hear about those acquisitions, new products, research and development. Before we get into some of the directions in which you're going, for our listeners who may not be completely aware with your current product lines with the company? What should they know about its history, its present products, the markets you're in, and so on? Sure. Well, first of all, Briggs & Stratton is, is a company that's been around for a long, long time, 114 years, as a, as a matter of fact. So really, it's been a 114-year history of applying power. Uh, Briggs is most commonly known for producing residential and commercial internal combustion engines and products powered by engines, but the company is now very aggressively transforming into electric power. Today, the company is made up of four business units. We have our power business unit, 
which formerly was known as engine and power. So power includes Briggs and Stratton residential engines, Vanguard commercial engines, Vanguard lithium ion battery systems. And then we have our turf and consumer products business. And that includes power generally for outdoor power industry uh, under brands such as Ferris, commercial mowers, Snapper and Simplicity, uh, residential products, Billy Goat specialty uh, products, Victo, which is a very strong brand in Australia, and Bronco, which is a very strong brand down in, in Central America. And then our third business unit is, is energy solutions under the new Briggs. And that includes our Briggs and Stratton standby generators, and then our simplified power energy storage systems. And then our fourth business unit is almond or sometimes referred to job site products. And that includes light towers, heaters, towable generators, and air compressors. For the most part, we serve the, the outdoor power equipment, uh, but our Vanguard engines and batteries have allowed us to support new markets in which we haven't uh, previously participated, such as recreation, construction, to, to name a few. And our Simplify power products serve the energy storage market, which is a, you know, we have, we think holds tremendous uh, growth potentials going forward. Uh, and then of course, we also a 114 year old company, we have a very robust global support network, which includes more than 40,000 highly trained service dealers in over a hundred countries. Wow. 40,000 dealers or in a hundred countries. I would not have guessed that. Uh, four different business units. And it really, it's an interesting story. I wanted to give you the opportunity, Steve, to to tell it because I think when a lot of people think of Briggs and Stratton, you myself, even sometimes I've mowed my lawn this week with my, it's probably a 15 year old now Briggs and Stratton lawnmower. So credit to the quality of your products that I can still push mow my lawn with a mower that's, that's 15 years old, but you're into so many different things. And I think as you look to the future, continue to expand, continue to execute on the strategy that we're going to talk about today, it's going to be really fascinating to watch the markets you're in, the way that those are evolving and that evolution is something we'll cover too. You've made some changes on the Briggs and Stratton leadership team since the transition took place a couple of years ago. Tell us about your current team. And I think I'd be particularly interested in what are those personality traits that you look for as a CEO and strong leaders? Sure, sure. Well, we've been extremely focused on culture at the new Briggs and Stratton, which revolves around what we call our commitment to win values. And this is a set of eight values which will facilitate the, the growth and success of the company. And our commitment to win includes priorities like safety and integrity, operating with a sense of urgency, communicating in a very candid and, and direct manner, having high levels of collaboration, an absolute intolerance of mediocrity, holding ourselves to high standards and making candid assessments of our performance, and having a strong focus on our products, technology, and customers. So every person who's currently on our team, who joins our team, must embody these values in order to be considered for a, for a role. And that's no different than when we're hiring our, our leadership positions. We expect to hire leaders that exude uh, those values and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So we have many uh, new leaders in the in the business, and I'm convinced with their leadership and that that we will continue to take Briggs and Stratton to, to new heights. We'll be looking forward to watching that as well. You know, I'm a huge fan of of defining what your core values as an organization are, and we tell people 
regardless of the company, you know, it's not a company might have a culture. We'll talk about that a little bit later defined by its core values. And it's not necessarily right or wrong if you're a fit or not a fit for that. The question is, you know, every company has a personality, every individual has a personality. And do you find that strong fit in terms of what the values of the organization are? In your case, you know, some of them like safety and integrity, you know, you find that on, on in a lot of organizations and, and you find them defining core values that way. Some of them that jump out that you just mentioned, you know, focus on urgency, a focus on candor and making sure that the leadership team can speak openly with each other, setting high standards and, and kind of juxtaposing that against collaboration. So in as much as we're going to set high standards, we're going to have direct conversations. We're also going to collaborate with each other. Also interesting that you put right into those core values, the focus on your customer and focus on products and technology. And it's kind of that last area that I want to move into now is, as we mentioned earlier, when many people think of Briggs and Stratton, they probably think about their trusty engines on their lawnmowers or their snowblowers, their other power equipment of the future power isn't all internal combustion engines, but what are some of the other power technologies that you're exploring as you look to the future of the new Briggs and Stratton? Well, first and foremost, it's important to remember that Briggs has a 114-year history of providing and applying power. And so we know how to apply power to our customers' applications. And while we've been known primarily as an engine company, and engines remain important to us, engines are still the largest segment of our business, and engines aren't going away anytime soon, but the trends are clear, electrification is going to play a huge role going forward. So our focus has been on redefining the new Briggs & Stratton as an agnostic power application company. So whether it be an internal combustion engine, whether it be lithium-ion battery system or a hybrid solution, we're focused on supporting our customers with power solutions for all of their needs. And, you know, our Vanguard battery business is a huge growth opportunity for us and has allowed us to expand our focus beyond our traditional outdoor power equipment space into new end markets. So we've had successful launches with multiple customers and an incredibly high level of of interest in multiple end markets with launches planned not only in turf, but in recreation, in construction, as well as several other end markets. And we've grown substantially and invested in a new factory in Tucker, Georgia, which is exclusively was exclusively put in place to support the growing demand for our battery systems. These markets where we're pursuing opportunities total up to 12 billion in addressable opportunities. So the future upside in this segment is is huge for us. We have literally hundreds of leads worldwide ranging across industries and applications from autonomous vehicles to robotics, to construction, to government municipal vehicles, agricultural equipment, et cetera. Back to what really historically has been our core on the gasoline engine side of the business, we've invested in, in electronic fuel injection or EFI across our commercial engine line, including our proprietary Briggs and Stratton design systems, which allow us to create the cleanest engines in Briggs and Stratton history reducing engine emissions by 50% or more. $12 billion in addressable markets, that's an impressive number. And whether it's 
renewables, autonomous vehicles, robotics. As I mentioned in the intro, I have a long history with Briggs and Stratton. And I can tell you 20 years ago, we certainly weren't talking about those technologies as it relates to to the world of, of internal combustion engines. So, so much change going on. Trends that a lot of folks have their eyes on. I think another trend that some people have their eyes on as they look to the future is this whole idea of the concern about available electric power. And uh, this, this article kind of went into as we head into the summer months, people are turning up their air conditioning, the infrastructure in our, you know, in our world of generating electricity continues to age, plants are coming offline. So people are, I think, increasingly concerned about making sure that we can power our lifestyles in this new world. Now, standby generators have been a tenant of Briggs & Stratton strategy for a long time. How does standby power play into your go-forward strategy? Yeah, Matt, we've clearly sharpened the focus in this area, and standby power plays a significant role in our go-forward strategy. The need for backup power, as you said, is ever-increasing, and between the influx of individuals working from home, severe storms, the aging power grid, connected systems, et cetera, we don't anticipate this trend will, will slow. Uh, So standby generators, which are now part of what we call our energy solutions business unit, have experienced significant growth over the last two years. We've tripled the revenues in that segment since Briggs & Stratton became a privately held company. It's our fastest growing business unit. Last year, we expanded standby generator production to our facility in, in Auburn, Alabama. Historically, all the standby generators had been produced here in in the Milwaukee area. So it's allowed us to to double production to better meet the the market's growing reliance on backup power. And in addition to demand for standby generators, there's rapidly growing demand for energy storage systems that provide power in the event of an outage or to store excess energy to offset high electricity costs during peak times or simply supplement power from the utility grid. So it was last uh, September that we acquired Simplify Power, a California-based manufacturer of energy storage and management systems, which stores uh, energy from solar, grid, from wind power for future use by residential, commercial, or industrial customers. And the acquisition provides entry into, into this high growth energy storage system market and accelerates our growth and repositions the business to offer a comprehensive range of products that provide safe, reliable, and affordable energy solutions to a broader group of customers. You know, if there's one kind of lesson so far that we can leave our listeners with, it's that this is the new Briggs & Stratton is a company on the move. And when you think about everything that you've executed on over the course of an 18-month period of time, really, really impressive. All the different things that you're doing, all the different things that you're getting done, making some really tough decisions. Now I've done in my career, three turnarounds, all in the manufacturing space. And and I think our listeners know a turnaround, you have an underperforming company for one reason or another. And there's all kinds of reasons that a company can underperform, but but I've been brought in as CEO three different times or CEO twice and chief operating officer a third time to write the direction of a country and get it, or a company rather, get it back on solid ground. And, and it's a challenge. It's a lot of work. It's, you know, we, we, a lot of sleepless nights in some cases, and it requires, like I suggested, a lot of difficult decisions. And I'm sure you had to make some here in the last 18 months with the new Briggs and Stratton, any challenging ones that you've had to make uh, that you think are in the long-term best interest of the organization that you'd like to call out for the audience. 
Well, I've mentioned a couple of times, making sure that we have a, a very sharp focus. And I'm a big proponent of having a, a sharp focus or a clear understanding on what creates value and what does not. And so we often talk about in the company, what's accretive to the bottom line and what is not accretive to the bottom line, and in some cases, dilutive to the bottom line. And of course, that all aligns with the focus that we talked about earlier, rather than focusing on top line revenue, having a focus on earnings contribution. So if something doesn't create value, if it's not accretive to the appropriately accretive to the bottom line, it no longer holds a place in this business. And one particular example is we recently announced that we'll be exiting the sale of portable generators and pressure washers to the mass retail customers in in North America. This was a segment that provided significant revenues, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenues, but it didn't meet our profitability targets and action needed to be taken so we can focus our resources on higher margin products and segments. And that's what we intend to do. You know, I think that's a, it's got to be interesting to work inside of a leadership team, inside of a management team. And as you noted earlier in the discussion, a lot of times, you know, the street and public companies, you know, maybe have an inordinate amount of focus on the top line, regardless of how much margin or how much cash flow is being generated by the components of that top line. And so I'm sure making a decision like that in a 114 year old company that perhaps was focused a little bit more on the top line in the past was a challenging and a tough decision to make, but it's really building into your culture and understanding. And as as you've mentioned, you've been working really hard at doing this, an understanding of what's going to be important about keeping that sharp focus. Now, it's one thing I would say to list out core values. It's it's one thing to say, this is what we're going to be as a company. And it's amazing how many companies I walk into and they've got their beautiful list of core values hanging on the wall in the lobby. And if you walk around the the shop floor or even the front office and ask the members of the leadership team or, or people working in the company what the core values are, maybe they can come up with one of them, maybe. And it really needs to be part of that overall culture driven into every decision that that's made in the organization. I know that approach is really important to you on a personal level. So talk a little bit more about the culture you're trying to build at Briggs and Stratton and and especially how you go about not just defining it, but executing on that and building the strategy and the culture itself. Sure, sure. Well, as we continue to transform the business, it's it's essential that we transform the culture. You know, first and foremost, safety and integrity are foundational in all we do. And I always say that that these eight values are not in priority order. There's only one that is in priority order, and that's the first one, safety and integrity being foundational. And then we focus on the customer. We set high standards for our company and ourselves. We act with a sense of urgency. Continuous improvement is our path to success. People make the difference. We actively and regularly communicate. And finally, we demonstrate an entrepreneurial spirit. Now, under each of those eight values, there are some sub-bullets which further clarify or define those values. And just as you said, you'll walk into to most companies and you'll see them in, on the wall. You'll, you'll do so at Briggs & Stratton. You'll see them in every conference room. You'll see them in every office that we have. And you'll see them on everybody's badge. So we're all wearing badges to scan into the building. And on the backside of those badges are the the commitment to win values. And we want to make sure that that people are 
readily uh, aware of the the values. And as I said earlier, and as I say to the team, you know, it's not a menu that you get to pick and choose from. You're either all in or you're not in. And it's okay if you don't believe in these cultural values. It just means that Briggs and Stratton probably isn't the, the place for you going forward. Because once we get everybody aligned on these common values and everybody's behavior reflects these common values, then it becomes much more efficient in how we operate and driving results. So I always say that culture is the foundation. Culture drives the right behaviors. Those behaviors drive actions and actions drive results. And if you're not a supporter of these, and and again, supporter as far as talking about them, but walking the walk as well, uh, you know, you reach that tipping point in an organization where the culture changes. And if you don't fully embrace these, these values, it becomes pretty obvious to the rest of the team. Absolutely. Core values drives behavior, behavior drives action, and action drives results. And it's clear that you're all about that entire continuum focusing on what those results are going to be and then creating that future. You know, I would add, Steve, the other value that I see in defining core values is it really creates a litmus test for decisions in the organization. And uh, I can't tell you how many times and in the last two companies that I ran, and that now covers some, actually the last three companies that covers some 20 years close to it. We went really, really distinctly and really intentionally about the process of defining what our core values were and, and making sure that our entire organization was involved in, in determining what they are and living them out, using them to test the decisions that we make as an organization. And I think that's clear in the, the list of eight that you uh, just recited and, and uh, you're doing a great job of pushing that through the entire organization and, and really making sure that those values are permeating everything that your organization does. One of them that jumped out at me in the last time you went through it is this idea that people make the difference. And I know you're a huge believer in that, especially in this era, for so many reasons, having great talent in our organizations really is in so many ways what makes the difference in performance. But this at a time when competition for skilled manufacturing talent, you know, I would say it's stiffer than it's ever been. Certainly in the 30 years that I've been in business, I've never seen a market that was more competitive for skilled talent. So what is it about the culture and, and also the career pathways the candidates should weigh as they consider a career with the New Briggs and Stratton? Yeah, well, first, let me just jump back to your comments on people make the difference, if I could. And I had mentioned that that these values, that there are some, some, some sub-bullets, so to say. And our sub-bullets under people make the difference are we attract and retain only the best. People are evaluated based on their accomplishments and behaviors. And personal development is a shared responsibility. And, you know, in regards to, to recruiting within our factories, you know, we're trying to set ourselves apart as a, a, an employer of choice that provides a very positive working experience, uh, certainly leading or at a minimum competitive compensation. And we're going to provide ample training to encourage career growth and advancement opportunities. Again, on our shop floor, we're going to prioritize safety over everything and any Anything and continue to invest in talent, tools, equipment to enhance safety. And, you know, our manufacturing facilities, they're buzzing right now. You walk into any of those plants and, and you feel the vibe. I mean, demand for our products is exceptionally strong. And, you know, it's, it's of course, fulfilling to be manufacturing the products that people want 
to get work done, as we say. And our people take pride in the products we produce. It's meaningful work. And these are legendary brands. The Briggs & Stratton brand is a, is a legendary brand. And in regards to you know, the, the salaried positions or the management positions, you know, the company is thriving and embracing new technologies and, and processes. Our team members are going to have a tremendous amount of, of growth and development opportunities. And let's face it, everybody likes being part of a, of a winning team. And we think we have a great value proposition to talk about this very iconic brand and how we are transforming this company around new technologies to be a very sustainable and thriving business for decades and decades to come. A legendary brand, a 114-year-old brand, and then wrapping that around new technologies and transitioning the company. One of the things I'm going to talk about is the amazing new careers that are available in the world of advanced manufacturing. A couple of years ago, Manpower did a study where they they went through the types of jobs that will be available in the future of manufacturing, and they look nothing like the jobs that were available to folks 25, 30 years ago, maybe even 10 or 15 years ago. So the world of manufacturing is evolving. New technologies are evolving. Your product portfolio and your solutions and the companies you've acquired are evolving. We have a lot of students, Steve, that listen to the Tech Ed podcast. So get them thinking a little bit. What are some of the interesting careers that are emerging in the world of manufacturing and how will manufacturing careers change, do you think, in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, if you think if you look at the positions that we're recruiting and we have over 150 open salary positions where we're recruiting and the largest segment of those are in engineering fields and there's a significant shift towards electrical engineers, the work we're doing from an electronics standpoint, software design and the view or the internet of things, you know, connected products. Uh, we're heavily involved in three things like 3D printing. You know, our push into battery systems means that battery chemistries are important to, to understand. You know, the days of people thinking about manufacturing as, you know, bending and welding steel are, are long gone. While that still happens in manufacturing businesses, uh, even in those type applications, they're oftentimes now, as you know, very robotically focused. And you have to have a, a base level of technology know-how just to operate the equipment and program the, the equipment. So manufacturing is, you know, people who think of manufacturing as, as I said, of, of bending and welding materials and dirty uh, environments and and whatnot. The future of manufacturing is is quite different than that. It's involving in a big hurry. 150 open positions. What a great collection of opportunities for young students as they're considering their their long term careers. Um, you, you touched on engineering fields and and double E's becoming more important. And certainly when you talk about things like IIoT and connected systems and additive manufacturing, you know that's music, robotics, music to the ears of both our audience and me personally, because that is exactly where manufacturing is going. And it's just, it's just such an exciting world. I think we're starting to turn the corner a little bit from maybe five, six, seven years ago, where students are starting to understand this, starting to understand that there's amazing careers in manufacturing, that there's a lot of pathways to get there. You can go direct to workforce. You can go to a technical or community college. You can go to a four-year university, earn an engineering or other STEM degree or, or something in a related field. Lots of different ways to get to this 
world of advanced manufacturing. And it's going to be an exciting future for the new Briggs and Stratton and for the world of advanced manufacturing in general. As we close out our time, I want to stay on this topic of our students who listen to the podcast. And this is a, a question, Steve, that we ask every single guest here on the Tech Ed podcast. And the, the answers are, are diverse. The answers are fascinating. And that question is, if you could give one piece of advice to a high school sophomore as they consider their future career pathway, what would that advice be from Steve Andrews? Yeah, I think that, you know, and it's right along the lines of what we talked about, Matt, that the world is becoming much more technologically advanced across every industry. It's not just manufacturing, it's 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 across every every industry, and that's placing a much greater emphasis on STEM skills, science, technology, engineering, math, et cetera. And the next generation needs to be prepared. You, you're going to have to have a, I'll say, a threshold knowledge in some of these areas to, to compete in the future. So someone could be sitting back and saying, well, I'm not interested in manufacturing. I'm interested in marketing or I'm interested in fashion or I'm interested in food and beverage. But I assure you, in every one of those markets and segments, the advancement of technology, which is driving a base skill set or threshold knowledge, as I said, from a science, technology, engineering, math skill set is, is going to be an important and, and people need to, to prepare themselves to have those skills to be successful in the future. That threshold STEM knowledge, albeit whether it's marketing, fashion, you know, what have you, all of that crosses over so many ways in so many ways to manufacturing. And there's no question that those STEM skills as students are going through the, the remaining years of high school and into whatever comes after high school are going to be so very important, as you put it, the next generation needs to be prepared. And speaking of the next generation, the next generation of Briggs and Stratton products, leadership culture. Really, really exciting things that you have going on there, Steve, at the new Briggs and Stratton. We really appreciate your time today. Exciting to hear about everything that you're doing. And we'd love to have you back in a year and a half from now and, and see how everything's going. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. We look forward to coming back in the in the future. And I think it's going to be an exciting few years for the new team here at Briggs and Stratton. And there's a lot of work ahead of us, but I think a few years from now, we're going to look back at where we started and, and then where we are and, and be proud of the, the success and how we've all as a team positioned the company for future growth and opportunity. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.